Well, good evening, Family Church Haven, and welcome to Sunday Night Local. Um, as I find myself saying each week, here we are again, Sunday evening, 8pm, and the weeks just seem to fly past, even in lockdown. And so I hope that you're well, and uh, whether you're watching this live tonight at 8pm on Sunday evening, or maybe you're watching this a little bit later on in the week and just catching up with what you missed out on, then a massive welcome to you. And um, it's great to be able to speak into your home or um, into your workplace or into your car, wherever you may be, uh, when you happen to end up listening to this. Um, just as we wait for people to jump on board and jump online, um, let me just give another quick plug as I've been doing each Sunday night um, for our Stronger Worship Night. Now, last Wednesday, this Wednesday just gone, we had a fantastic time together online on Zoom and had our worship night that way, which uh, wasn't what we'd pre-planned, but last minute we changed it to be online and it was a really powerful time together in God's presence. And so we're on the 9th of December doing this live in person at the Empower Centre Haven. That's our hope. We've delayed it a week so that we're out of lockdown and our hope is that we'll be able to do that in person. So register so that we know that you are coming. You have to pre-register for this event. It's all done um, in a COVID secure way so that you feel safe as we come together and worship God. And I can't wait to be in the Empower Centre Haven to worship um, together. Another thing I want to plug is that next Sunday evening at this time, so if you're a regular viewer of Sunday Night Local and you watch at 8pm each Sunday night, um, then next week at this same time slot, same place, you can find Refocus. And that's going to be a time where all the congregations of Family Church come together, but in a different way to what we do on a Sunday morning. And you may have watched it at the end of June. We did one of these refocuses. And so we're going to do one again next Sunday, led by Pastors Andy and Gina, our senior pastors. But we're going to be going into every congregation here in updates. We're also going to be sharing about our first plan for regathering and what that's going to look like. So lots of good news to be able to share uh, with you. So next Sunday evening, um, refocus on the YouTube channel and then the following Sunday we're back to Sunday Night Local with a new theme and a new area of teaching because of course tonight we are wrapping up our series on the fruits of the Holy Spirit and we've been in this teaching for 10 weeks now I've loved journeying through this with you I've loved having time to study uh, this word and to be able to share it with you on a Sunday evening and I'm so glad that it's um, going into homes and, and changing people's mindsets and our viewpoints and uh, just helping us to live in the freedom and the power of the Holy Spirit that God has given to us. Of course we've been in Galatians chapter 5 so turn your Bibles there again tonight for the last time Galatians well hopefully not for the last time ever for the last time in this series turn it to Galatians chapter 5 and we've been over these last 10 weeks, we did one introduction week and then uh, nine other weeks, and this is a ninth week, on a different characteristic of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if you missed any of those, they're all available on our YouTube channel. Um, but we've been journeying through this thought that Paul takes us on, that a follower of Jesus Christ, their journey should always be one of journeying from the acts of the flesh to displaying the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And remember, he's been teaching us and what we've been reading um, that the acts of the flesh is what was natural 
to us before we became a follower of Jesus Christ, before we were born again and we were saved and made brand new as new creations, before any of that happened, the way that we lived was according to the flesh. It was just the natural default way of us living, having been born with a sinful nature, inherited from Adam and the fall and all that happened with that. And so we just lived in this natural way that displayed the acts of the flesh and all that's available to read in Galatians chapter 5. I'm not going to go over it because we've read that many times before. But then he talks about this powerful transformation that now that we have the Holy Spirit within us, that we're temples of the Holy Spirit, we can now display God's fruit in and through our lives. And as we've been saying throughout, that doesn't come through us trying or manufacturing this fruit. It comes by us yielding and surrendering to the life of God that is now within us. And as we do that on a daily basis, this is what we produce in and through our lives. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 to 23 says this, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. As I said, we've journeyed through each of those characteristics, one fruit, nine different characteristics. Tonight, we're finishing off this series by talking about self-control. Self-control. And as we start this, let's turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. So if you've got your Bibles open at Galatians chapter 5, just skip to the first verse of this chapter. And this is what Paul writes. Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery upon you. The Passion Translation puts it this way. Christ has set us free. Listen to what it says. Not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. Now, I've read that verse to you at the beginning of this teaching tonight, um, because what we're going to discover together this evening, what we're going to look at, uh, I believe is the fact that self-control really is an important aspect of the fruit of the Holy Spirit and what God wants to do within us. And the reason I say that, one of the reasons is this, that one of the conversations I have a lot as a pastor of those who are following Jesus Christ is this, that people will say to me, um, Pastor, I know that I'm free. I, you teach that I'm free. I know that I'm free. The Bible says I'm free. The moment that I was saved, I was free. But why is it that I still feel so trapped? Why is it that I'm still in bondage to this or that? Why is it um, that I still speak this way when I don't want to? Why is it that I still respond this way? Why is it that I still look at that? Why is it that I still overeat? Why is it that I deal with my finances this way? What is the problem with me? That's the question that comes up, this tension of knowing we are free but still feeling like we are trapped. And that's where this part of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is so important. Because if we could grow in this area of self-control, it could transform so much of that. It really is that important. Self-control is that important in our lives. Now, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 is a key verse for our teaching tonight. Proverbs 25, verse 28, it says this. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now to us reading this in 2020, that may seem like a strange statement, but we've got to remember that the writer of Proverbs is writing and speaking at a time where the cities that were in operation then were defended by these huge fortified walls that were there to protect against the attack of the enemy. Think about the walls of Jericho. 
We know the story that God had to bring down the walls of Jericho supernaturally and miraculously so that the nation of Israel could go and take that city of Jericho. But in that time, they were surrounded, as I said, protected by these walls. And these walls would stop the enemy coming in and attacking. Listen, you have an enemy today. You have an enemy of your soul. His name is Satan. He is real and he wants to steal, kill and destroy from your life. And without self-control, you're always going to be vulnerable to his temptation. You're always going to be vulnerable to his attack. See, as I said, he has a clear manifesto and he has a clear strategy of achieving that agenda in your life. It's called temptation. Now, temptation in and of itself isn't wrong, but it's when we give in to that temptation that sin begins to occur. And the enemy of your soul will come in if you uh, don't have these walls of protection and he'll still kill and destroy from you by this strategy. But he'll set you up with uh, temptation and he'll knock you down with condemnation. Let's read about that in James chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles open, James chapter 1. Let's read 14 to 15. Because I want you to see this pathway that the enemy wants you on. It says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So these verses teach us that this linear um, journey that we can end up going from. But it says, every sin essentially starts with a thought. This thought comes into your mind, that's why there's a battlefield in your mind that temptations will come and we've got to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. But those thoughts can come in your mind which are thoughts of, I could. Think about David and Bathsheba in this moment. That David, we know the story, should have been out at war but he's walking around his terrace and he looks down and he sees Bathsheba and this thought comes into his mind, I could. Now if you don't deal with those thoughts, then those thoughts become desire. David looks at Bathsheba and he goes from I could to I want. Again, if you don't deal with that, that desire will turn into intention. David begins to think and say, I will. And he hatches this plan and his men go and find Bathsheba. And that desire turns into intention and that intention turns into action, which is sin. That sin could be um, greed, it could be lust, it could be gossip, it could be lying, it could be adultery, it could be jealousy, it could be a whole um, ream of things, different things that come from this simple thought if we don't take hold of that thought. And sin leads to destruction, to the breaking down of so much in our lives. This is the enemy's twisted plan for your life, that he wants to steal, kill and destroy. He wants to leave you in bondage even though Christ has set us free. And without self-control you're going to have limited defences. The message paraphrase put that same verse this way. In Proverbs chapter 25 verse 28 it says, a person without self-control is like a house with its doors and its windows knocked out. In other words, think about it naturally. If there's no windows, if there's the door that's been caved in, you're open to someone coming in and burgling your house. Uh, this thief coming, you are open to being burgled. The enemy wants to steal from your life. And if your defences aren't up, 
if your walls have caved in, if your windows and doors have been caved in, then the enemy will walk right into your life and he'll steal from your life. He'll destroy your family. He'll destroy your mind. He'll destroy your career. He'll destroy your marriage. He'll destroy your finances. We need a defense. We need a wall of protection. We need self control in the way that we think, in the way that we speak, in the way that we um, respond, in the way that our temperament is, in the way that we look after our bodies, in the way that we um, react with sexuality, all of those things. We need self-control. Okay, so here's a key question. What is self-control? And uh, if you look at the dictionary definition, this is what you find. Are you ready to have your mind blown? Are you ready? This is going to be profound. You're going to be so glad that you tuned in just for this one level of detail. When you look up self-control in a dictionary, this is what you'll find. Having control over self. Wow. Now that's profound, isn't it? What is self-control? Having control over self. Now here's the thing. From experience, we realize that actually that isn't all that great. The effective self-control is not actually self having control over self. We've tried that. There's a limited shelf life to that. It doesn't really work. To be truly effective in controlling ourselves, we need a greater power. We need God's power. We need the Holy Spirit helping us and being in control. So here's a better definition, I believe, than the dictionary definition. To have self-control biblically is this. It's controlling yourself through the power of God. Controlling yourself through the power of God. And as we've been saying throughout the series, you have God's power within you. The Holy Spirit is within you and he can help you overcome every snare, every temptation, every lie, every weakness. God has given you the power to show moderation, to show restraint, the ability to say no to the flesh. Now Galatians chapter 6 Verse 8 says this, Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit receives eternal life. So is this this two-way choice of which way we're going to go. Remember uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the wide path and the narrow path. It's a daily choice. Are we going to walk according to the flesh or walk according to the Spirit? The harvest of your life will be dependent upon who is in control of self. And Paul leaves us with two options here, that, that if you live according to the flesh and you sow according to the flesh, you are going to reap destruction. But if you sow according to the Spirit, you will reap life and life in abundance. Now here's the issue that we started right at the very beginning talking about. For on the one hand, we know that because we are saved, because we are new creations, we are completely free to walk according to the Spirit. We have been set free, and that includes freedom over sin. Listen to what Romans 6 verse 6 says. Paul writes, he says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. And we love that. Yes, Paul, come on. We are no longer slaves to sin. But here's the problem. In Romans chapter 7, the very next chapter, the very same Paul says this in verse 25. I am a slave to sin. So Romans chapter 6 verse 6, he says, we're no longer slaves to sin. 
Romans chapter 7 verse 25 it says I am a slave to sin now what's going on here this is kind of weird right what's going on Paul was describing the journey that so many followers of Jesus Christ can be on that haven't been made brand new creations haven't been uh, becoming a follower of Jesus Christ and being born again we are now set free from the power of sin sin no longer has mastery over us or power over us but because so many continue to live according to the flesh what they've always known how they've always lived most importantly how they've always fought which is why we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind but because of all of that they do the things that they don't want to do and they give into temptation too easily be it in their eating in terms of debt in terms of drinking in terms of gossip in terms of anger and unforgiveness in terms of sex whatever it might be and i love that paul deals with this honestly that he deals with this truth that we've been made brand new but there's this pull and this struggle with the old with the flesh romans chapter 7 verse 15 paul writes i don't really understand myself for i want to do what is right but i don't do it Instead, I do what I hate. How many times have you experienced that? You want to do something God's way, way that brings life. You want to respond to somebody who's hurt you in a certain way. You want to be biblical in the way that you act, but you end up doing something that you know was always your default response before. Why is it that we do that? Romans 7 verse 21. A lot of scripture I'm throwing at you, but I hope that this is helping you to begin to understand the battle that we face. Romans 7 verse 21 says, I have discovered this principle of life, that what, when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, Paul writes, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. So his nature has changed, but he, he, this, this power of the flesh is still pulling him to be like he was before. And then he speaks out of his despair. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Now, here's a glimpse of hope. Here's the answer to his dilemma. He says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my flesh, I am a slave to sin. Listen, temptation will always keep on knocking. Satan will not let up in his battle against you. And the flesh will always be up for listening to him. And if we don't have self-control, if, as we've been saying, our bricks have fallen down and our windows and our doors have been caved in, nothing stops us from resisting that temptation that will ultimately lead to destruction in our life. And so Paul says we're left with two choices in how to have self-control. We can try self-control in self. There's a shelf life to that. There's limitations to that. It doesn't really work. Or else we can say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I want to live in a way that pleases you. I want to walk in line with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you give me the power to overcome? See, there's two ways that we can look at this. I want to use this illustration tonight to explain this to you. And this, this is a story uh, that's taken from Greek mythology. Now, don't freak out. Don't turn off. Pastor Steve has not gone off the edge of a cliff during this time of lockdown in his theology. We're still teaching the word. The word of God is central. I just want to use this one story from Greek mythology, not because we believe in Greek mythology or any of that kind of stuff. OK, we're on the same page now. But I, I, I want to use this story. Now, there's a story uh, about a man named 
Odysseus and he's journeying from Greece to invade Troy and he passes by the island of Sirens. You may have heard this before. And on the island of Sirens there were these creatures called Sirens who what they would do is they would they would sing this this sound. They would sing these songs and, and it would be alluring, it would be captivating, it would be tempting to the sailors that were passing by. And so they would go in the direction of that sound, go being captivated by that sound. But but it was a sound that was false because what would happen is they would hit these rocks that were hiding beneath the surface of the water. And as they hit those rocks, they would capsize. These creatures would go and devour them. Very much like Satan. The Satan tries to lure us in with a sound of something that looks good and sounds good and appears good, but it isn't. And it will wreck our life. That's what sin does. In our life and so that was like the island of of sirens with his sea creatures and so what this guy did odysseus he he said this to his crew to to the guys who were rowing he said i want you to put beeswax in your ears and so they put beeswax in their ears and they just kept on rowing he said i don't want you to have a look to the left or to the right when we pass this island and i want you to sail on by but for him instead of putting beeswax in his ears here's what he did he said i want you to tie me to the mast because i still want to be able to hear this music and so they tied him to the mast and as they went past this island, there was something within him that wanted to respond to the captivating sound. And he pulled against the ropes and he wanted to go in that direction. But because the sailors had the beeswax in their ears, they went on past and he made it to safety. Listen, that's a sad truth of how many Christians live that way. That in order to try and resist temptation, they try and control themselves in their own ability, their own power. They try and strap themselves down. But listen, there's a, there's a shelf life to that. There's going to be a day when you rip free from your own self-constraint and you go in the, the direction of that thing that allures you, that thing that seems to captivate you and will ultimately destroy you because it's a con from the enemy who wants to devour your life. There's a better way. And this is described in another man called Jason. And Jason was another sailor and what he did, he was a captain of a ship and what he did was he asked for a, a musician within his group who was a, an incredible artist, who was an incredible player. And so what happened was as they passed the island, he got his musician to play better music, to play a better sound. And so as they passed that island, they didn't have to try and constrain themselves. The better music that was in the boat that they were in saw that the volume and the sound and the alluring nature of the other music from the sirens was drowned out. Listen, what a better way to live in self-control. But we're not trying to control ourselves, but we have the gospel. We have the sound of grace. We have the sound of Jesus Christ. We have the power of the Holy Spirit within the boat of our life that causes us to be in strength and drowns out all those other temptations that we know would drown us. We need to get fixated with Jesus. Listen, I want my no to sin to come from a cry of yes to the Holy Spirit. To cry from, come from a cry of yes to his kingdom ways. I, I want my no to come from the knowledge that when I sow according to the spirit, when I respond to relationships and people and situations God's way, then it will bring me life. How about you? Are you like Odysseus who's trying to control himself? There's going to be a limitation to that. Or are you like Jason who has... This fixation with a better sound of grace, this better sound of the gospel, this better saviour in Jesus Christ, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that allows you to sail on past temptations.
The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. But if you don't have self-control, you are open to attack. If we don't want to remain defeated, if we want to truly experience the, the freedom that Paul says Christ has purchased for us, where we can say, I'm no longer a slave to sin, we need to ask the Holy Spirit for his help. But here's some practical keys that you can take. Not that we depend upon ourselves, not that we try and manufacture it or do it in our own strength. But here's what I want to encourage you practically to ask the Holy Spirit to help you do. Now, if you're taking notes, there's five very quick things that we're going to journey through in the next five minutes. The first one is this. Avoid costly relationships. If you're taking notes, avoid costly relationships. Number of verses I want to throw you away. Don't try and turn to all of them. I want you to be like this in the Bible. Um, just, just make a note of them and go study them in your own time. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. The message paraphrase puts it this way. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Proverbs 12 verse 26 the righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs 22 verses 24 to 25. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger yourself. The advice of the word of God is very clear. Choose your closest relationships carefully. Now, it's not talking about don't talk to people of the world or don't interact with anybody outside of this close inner circle. That's not what it's saying because we need to be salt and light in this dark world. We need to be soul winners. We need to be engaging with the world around us. But it's talking about don't come into a vulnerability when it comes to temptation because of the people who have the greatest voice into your life. Avoid those relationships that will open the doorway to temptation and cost you something in yourself. So number one, avoid costly relationships. What do we do instead? Number two, build godly relationships. Proverbs 27 verse 17 is iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. This thought that when two godly people come together, they leave the interaction, they leave the conversation, they leave the time together, both in a better place, both sharper in what God is doing within them. Proverbs 20, uh, sorry, Proverbs 19 verse 20 says, take good counsel and accept correction. That's the way to live wisely and well. Proverbs 12 verse 26, the godly give good advice to their friends, but the wicked lead them astray. Get yourself around the people of God on a regular basis, whether that be through online church, whether that be through um, connect groups, if you're not yet in a connect group, uh, build those accountable relationships, build those strong godly friendships that are going to keep you going in the right direction. They're going to help you to keep that wall strong, to keep that wall firm that will stop the enemy attacking in your life. Number three, read the word. Now this may be Obvious, but it's so important. When you get fixated with Jesus, we spoke about in that story of Greek mythology, if you haven't turned off because you thought I'd gone pagan and gone down a certain route, no, no, come on. If we understand that illustration, we understand this, that when we get fixated with Jesus, Satan loses his power. That song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. 
look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's read the word, the classic verse, Romans 12, verse 2, and do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. The best way to transform your mind is by being in the word of God. So avoid costly relationships, build godly relationships, read the word. Number four, resist the enemy. James 4, verse 7 says, resist the enemy and he will flee. In other words, safeguard yourself. That the best form of self-control may be to ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom in certain areas that you would resist and that when you need to flee, you would flee. Joseph in Genesis chapter 39 didn't stand there in front of Potiphar's wife as she, she tried to seduce him. He didn't stand there and say, uh, I'm going to do this in my own strength. I'm going to defeat this temptation. No, no, he was out of there because he knew that was the best thing to do. Let, let me just give you a bit of common sense wisdom because yes, we rely on the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has also given us wisdom in our lives. He is the spirit of wisdom. If you struggle with debt and you have a lack of self-control in spending because um, it, it feeds something within your soul, you're trying to keep up with everybody else around you, you just find yourself spending and spending and spending. If you lack self-control, do not get another credit card. Don't keep spending on credit. Ask somebody to come and help you. Talk to Cap Christian Against Poverty. Ask somebody wise in the church or in your friendship circle to help you to budget, to find a new way. Don't keep getting out credit cards because you're allowing yourself to come into that place of vulnerability and the enemy of your soul can come in and attack. If you struggle with drink, drinking large amounts of alcohol, don't spend time with people who keep on drinking all the time. Don't find yourself in the pub. Obviously, you can't do that during lockdown, but don't do that other times. Walk with wisdom. If you find yourself constantly overeating and you struggle in that area of self-control, don't be somebody who has cupboards full of snacks. Just get them out of the house. Don't allow yourself to be in that place of vulnerability. If you struggle with your purity and what you watch on television, don't stay up late at night when you may be tired flicking through the channels. Go to bed with your spouse. Go to bed early if you're a single person and take yourself away from that temptation in your life. Resist the enemy, knowing that, as Peter says, there's an enemy prowling around your life looking for who he can devour. Now, praise God, we will not be devoured with the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So number one, avoid costly relationships. Number two, build godly relationships. Number three, read the word. Number four, resist the enemy. Number five, talk to someone. If you're on the road to destruction, if there's a repetitive pattern in your life, this cycle that you can't get out of, whatever area of your life it may be, talk to someone. One of those godly relationships that we spoke about a moment ago, that can be a key part of receiving Christ's freedom. Because God has made us to be relational, relational, not just one way with him, though that's the most important relationship, but also with other people around us. That's why he puts the body of Christ, the church around us, so that we would be supported in whatever area we may need support. If you don't have those close, godly relationships I spoke about a moment ago, speak to your connect group leader about this. Speak to somebody on a pastoral support team. Because when you open up the door for help, you can grow in this area self-control the fruit of the spirit is self-control and with it i've written down here we can begin to defeat temptation that comes our way 
With it, we can overcome the works of the flesh. And with it, we can grow as we should in Christ. And we can live in the freedom that the word talks of. Come on, let's live in a way that brings life. If you are somebody tonight and you've listened to me and you know that that wall has come crumbling down, you need to rebuild that wall, or maybe you just need to firm up that wall of self-defense, look into some of the stuff that we've spoken about tonight. Look over those verses again, and most importantly, ask the Holy Spirit to help you grow in the area of self-control. I'm going to pray that prayer for you tonight as we wrap up this series together. Let me pray for you tonight. Holy Spirit, I thank you that within you we find life. Father, I thank you that you've given us this gift of the Holy Spirit who displays your nature in and through our life, that with him, as we surrender to him on a daily basis, we can be people who display love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We can be those people. And right now, specifically, I pray for people who are struggling in the area of self-control. Holy Spirit, do something in their life that they can't do in their own ability. Help them to overcome. Help them to defeat temptations. Help them to walk in the freedom that you have purchased on our behalf, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for all that has been taught through these last 10 weeks. God, I thank you, I glorify you, that your word never returns void, is always doing what it's been sent to do. So Father, I thank you that lives are being transformed and will continue to be transformed as these 10 weeks of teaching um, go over in our soul and in our mind, and we are changed and transformed forever. Father, I just speak blessing upon each and every single person watching online or listening to this later on in the week. And Father, I thank you for a great week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Next Sunday evening is refocused, and we'll be back here for Sunday Night Local the following week as we start a brand new series of teaching. God bless you. Love you, Family Church. Haven't praying for you.